I'm Jeffrey Goldberg, the editor-in-chief of The Atlantic, and this is The Atlantic Interview. I'm talking with Eric Garcetti, the mayor of Los Angeles, which is a large city in California, apparently. I'm from the East Coast, so I don't know that much about California. Eric Garcetti introduced himself to the country at the Democratic National Convention last year. I'm just your average Mexican-American Jewish-Italian. Eric Garcetti has been mayor for four years, and like most Democratic politicians today, he's already answering questions about whether he's running for president. You're on the short short list. Short list uh, of possible presidential candidates. Are you considering it, Mayor? What is the deal? No, no, I am so excited to July 1st be sworn in for my second term in what I think is probably the best job in America. Here's a spoiler alert. The mayor of Los Angeles sometimes loves dodging a question. I sat down with Eric Garcetti in Paris. You're here for a, for decent reasons. You're yes. not just shopping. You're here for a climate conference. You're here for our City Lab conference. But, and to uh, sign an accord between uh, Paris and Los Angeles on the Olympics, the next two Olympics. Yeah. As well. Yeah. When we were talking about doing this, um, you said, uh, don't worry about my staff. Um, just ask me anything you want. I don't care. Yes. And so my question is, how long have you been in politics? Because you're not <laughs> really getting it. I've been 16 years, and I like spontaneous questions. So ask me anything. But you know, it's interesting. I wonder, because I, I remember covering yeah. John McCain, when, you know, we were on straight the straight, we were on the straight talk express yeah. until it got a little too straight talky. Mm-hmm. And then his people exactly. were like, John, you can't be so straight anymore. No, it, it is an interesting I, moment I think when people are hungry for that again. And if, if anything uh, expressed what November, last November was about in both good and bad ways, people are looking for something a little less uh, um, prepared. So your model is Donald Trump. Not exactly. So, so what happened to borrow from Hillary Clinton? What happened in in November? In, no, in American politics. I mean, you know, you represent uh, a large number of Americans. Granted, they're in California, yeah. so according to Donald Trump, it's not actually. <laughs> what, what did he say? Americans. He said if you just count discounted California, right. if you just discount some Americans. I yeah, want America. Yeah, fifty million, approximately <laughs> right. fifty-seven million yeah, Americans. Yeah. No, but I mean, uh, what, what what is your diagnosis? And, and if you discount the rest of the country, I was I, I won the election, the presidential election, right in Los Angeles. That's uh, true. If every county were Los Angeles, yeah, right. uh, it's you know, I, I'm in a city that I feel. Is the most American of cities. My wife's yeah, in the Midwest. Yeah, right. Okay, come no. on. Let's not push it here. San I've been Francisco. to Los Angeles, Los okay? Los Angeles is the face of the world today and the face of America tomorrow. It is a place that's not mostly Kardashians, though we do have more than most cities. We are bus drivers. We are nurses. We've known what it's like to have a car factory shut down in the San right. Fernando Valley where I grew up. We're absolutely America's calling card to the world. We tell the stories through Hollywood of, of our country. L.A. isn't this exceptional place. It's actually a quite normal place. And so to your question... No, not everybody is going crazy. Um, when the politics becomes the circus, yes, people get frustrated. So what, first yeah. of all, answer this question. How many Kardashians do you have? Um, let me see the Kardashian app. Do you have, do you have um, 15 a, and a half Kardashians. And it's a Card- then, it's, then it's a Kardashian. You should have that on your dashboard. Yeah. Crime stats, Kardashian <laughs> absolutely, stats. Absolutely. Uh, but come, come back to this. Yeah. I, I want to step, step away from the sort yes. of the L.A. specific thing. Explain to me what's happening in American politics. Um, why is the center not seeming to hold? <laughs> Look, I spend most of my time with mayors, and whether it's climate change, whether it's healthcare, whether it's infrastructure and education, we actually speak a really good language of, of politics. And in local communities, politics actually is working pretty well. There's a lot of progress and investment being made at the local level that national government is incapable of doing. And when people look for answers, the environment is totally politicized at, in Washington, but the local level in a Houston or in Florida or Northern California where there's fires uh, between the hurricanes and fires, People are actually, with first responders, dealing with crisis. And I haven't seen this sort of pace of implementation 
um, on a crisis in my lifetime. Um, this is, it's pretty breathtaking. People if, are looking at 100% renewable energy. Like, that was a dream. We're uh -huh. actually coming up with a plan to do it. And I think that was unimaginable. If I didn't know better, I would think that you're, you're, you're basically saying that America is going to be okay. Well, I do trust that America will be okay. Yeah. Why? You know, I, I ask that seriously because, like, for the first time in my life, I'm thinking, wait, this thing is spinning a little bit out of control. Because America's never come from Washington out to the local communities. It's been vice versa. When President Obama was in power, I got elected in 2013. I suggested the White House, and they took me up on the suggestion to bring the class of 2013, a group of mayors from Pittsburgh and um, New York and Los Angeles and Seattle and a whole bunch of places to come to the White House. The uh, conversation I had when I opened up was I said, if this was the 60s or 70s, America's cities would be coming to Washington with people leaving cities, um, the cities burning literally, full of poverty, and we would have been saying, Washington, please save America's cities. Right now, it's the opposite. America's cities are here to say, we can help save Washington. All right, I want to get super wonky. The 19th century is the century of empire. The 20th century is the century of nation state. Is, the, is this century possibly the, the century of the city state? Is there something happening here? I mean, is there a possibility that we're, we're moving toward another kind of system of global governance? No, I think cities have always been the most important, will continue to. The nation state isn't going away. Um, what we're returning to is cities have roles to directly go across national boundaries and come up with trade agreements, environmental uh, accords, um, and the speed with which we can share information. That's what's different. But when, when you're president, I'm just assuming, by the way, that you're going to win next time for president, first mayor in history to go directly from uh, City Hall. To, yeah. just, let's, for the purposes of this conversation, let's just that. assume that okay. you're president. Um, what do you do as an urban guy who uh, who who thinks that this, the city-state is not necessarily the model, that the nation is the nation, and you have to unify America. What do you do to, A, convince people in the moneyless places, in the rural parts of the country, in the, in the Ohio's mm -hmm. of America, what do you do to convince them that they are better served, ultimately uh, unified with the cities? Look, you make the case, for instance, that Los Angeles and Ohio are not different. We have high poverty in, in Los Angeles, and we have the same struggles. We've had uh, car factories closed down. We created 20,000 green jobs in the last four years in L.A. Um, that's about 40% of all the coal jobs in America. And that can happen in Ohio and West Virginia. Um, you know, actually, Hillary Clinton had it right, but I think it was articulated in a way that people heard, oh, we're putting you out of work in coal country, when it's really about the transformation of where jobs are going to be. I was with Nan Whaley, the mayor of Dayton, uh, Ohio, was running for governor, and somebody asked her a question at an event I was doing for her about Amazon was killing off Main Street. And she said, wait a second, Walmart killed off Main Street, but Amazon's revitalizing Main Street in the small towns in Ohio that I see. Because it isn't just in L.A. or New York where somebody wants something locally made and a cool craft, boutique, art. They want that in small town America, too. And because of Amazon, that person now has reached not just on their main street in the small town in Ohio, but also in the entire country. So this, this campaign to bring Amazon to Los Angeles is brought to you by Eric Garcetti. From, <laughs> you, want, you want Amazon to come to Los Angeles? We put well, in a great bid for it. I think, you know, look, when, when uh, George Lucas was looking for a home for his museum, when the Olympics were being bid on, I always want L.A. to be in the mix. And we've always had a lot selling, of good luck. Always uh, selling. You know, uh, football, we wanted a team to come. Now we've got two, kind of three, if you count Las Vegas as part of L.A. and the Raiders going who, there. Who counts Las Vegas as Los Angeles? I think a lot of Angelinos do. When, when you want to feel like you're at the center of Los Angeles, where do you go? Um, probably a mini mall. Okay. I mean, no, jo no joking. You can go to a mini mall, let's say in Hollywood, and there's an Armenian restaurant next to a Thai restaurant next to a Korean dry cleaner. I mean, you, you get a sense 
of what LA is in five storefronts. I think the other place I find LA is in the hills where you can literally uh, feel like you're completely in the middle of the city, away from the city by climbing, taking a hike, which I do with friends and my wife um, every weekend, like up to the Hollywood sign or something, and suddenly you're away from everything and you see the ocean, you can see the city, or at night it lays out like jewels. Um, it's, it's an amazing place. I, I would say either there kind of spiritually or go to a mini mall. Noted. <laughs> Hollywood. You represented Hollywood I did. for many years I did. on the city council. Yep. Something rotten happening? Yeah. Tell, give me your diagnosis of, of, of what's happening in that particular um, industry. Well, there's no question that there's gender issues in Hollywood, and this isn't just a reflection of one bad producer or other stories now of other people who have preyed on women and in some cases men. But it's very important not to see this as a Hollywood issue. Um, last year, we had a report that came out uh, about rape uh, in our high-rises of janitors, of women who are sometimes undocumented or immigrants who are taken advantage of. It's important to see this as something that's endemic across all sorts of industries. We recently had women come to our, our house where we have public um, um, programs. One was on women who had been in prison and one was on women who were homeless. And over 90% of both populations experience domestic and or sexual violence as children and or adults. So the impact of this is much bigger than uh, the workplace. This is causing people to be homeless on the street. This is causing people to go to prison. If you want to cut crime, you want to end homelessness, you have to deal with sexual violence, sexual harassment, and domestic violence. How prevalent do you think it is in that industry? Oh, incredibly widespread. I mean, I think... Uh, I mean, it's, it's a sexualized industry anyway. No question that in that, in fashion... They sell sex. They might say more. But again, it happens in, in a high-rise in a, for a janitor. It happens you know, in any kind of work site... Let's not see this as exceptional. It may be particularly attenuated, and, and you have people like uh, Harvey Weinstein who can prey on what women think they're supposed to do, but this is not unique to Hollywood. We need to clean up Hollywood, but we need to make sure that this is uh, really a light that we shine everywhere. And the trauma that is spread in our society has resulted in so many rings of violence. My dad used to say on domestic violence, 100% of folks that were in, on, on death row in California grew up with domestic violence, 100%. So if we don't cut this off, it's going to be at our own expense. We're going to pause here for a moment to thank our sponsor. More of Eric Garcetti after this break. I'm very curious to, to note the pretty radical shift in mainstream Democratic Party politics on, on the subject of immigration. Ten years ago, Democrats, even left-wing Democrats, even non-Democrats like Bernie Sanders were talking about uh, controlled, liberal immigration, but controlled immigration, that it's not an axiomatic right of someone to become a citizen of the United States. Uh, the Demo As the Republican Party has moved to the right on immigration issues, the wall symbolizing sort of the psychological need for barriers, uh, the Democrats have shifted to the left. You you have talked about the fact that you don't want to think of Los Angeles as a sanctuary city, and you've gotten some critiques from the left on that. Uh, give me your view of where the party is and, and, and whether the, your party is endangering itself by becoming sort of the mirror image of the Republicans, as, as, as harsh as some people might think the Republicans are, the Democrats are taking a, uh, a too permissive view. No, I would argue even your frame is part of the kind of reflection of the master manipulation of this. The 
quote-unquote democratic position is to return to where Ronald Reagan was and where George W. Bush wanted to be, um, a place where we had a pathway for making sure that people could become citizens, not just some sort of semi-legal status, but full citizens. Um, that was something that Ronald Reagan led in the early 1980s. And if it wasn't for 9-11, George W. Bush would have done again. But when I look at, for instance, the policies that are being described as sanctuary city policies by this administration, and the only reason, I, I don't actually shy away from the term. I say if sanctuary city means a city where our cops are not immigration enforcement agents, then we are, and proudly so. But if it means a place where we say, please come here, criminals, and by the way, if you're undocumented, I'm going to give you a bonus. Right. You, know, point you, you are a member of MS-13 yourself, <laughs> right, exactly. though, right? Or char I mean, uh, yeah, It's uh, so uh, laughable because these cities don't exist anywhere. And we care about our own public safety a hell of a lot more than anybody in Washington, D.C. But those policies in L.A. are traced back to a guy named Daryl Gates, who was about as right wing and everything else, a police chief, as you could imagine. A guy who used to say that uh, black folks were more easily choked out because their bodies were different than white people when they right. were being killed by LAPD officers. Um, and even he understood that to be effective police officers meant getting trust from your, um, you know, immigrant communities. But you're not going to stop domestic violence if an undocumented immigrant is afraid to call 911. And we were worried this year because of the Trump administration immigration policies. We saw a drop off with Latinos and no other group in reporting both sexual violence and domestic violence. So, like, we took down a couple months ago a big operation two years in the making, started with the Obama administration, uh, completed during the Trump administration, uh, MS-13. You know, this gang that the president's obsessed with. Yeah. We were able to do that because the intelligence that we gathered from the Los Angeles Police Department was in immigrant areas where pe some people are legal immigrants and some people are undocumented immigrants and probably everything in between. And um, because they trust Los Angeles Police Department. And ironically, the Trump administration is saying in these so-called sanctuary city areas, we're going to take away their grants from the Department of Justice. We use one of those grants to fund that very same operation. So somebody who says he cares so much about our safety is literally going to take away the federal dollars that we use against MS-13. The irony is, you know, too thick to even stir. Uh, so you've said something that's marginally nice about Daryl Gates. Never would have believed that. Ronald Reagan. George W., you're obviously running for president, right? I mean, you're obviously... <laughs> no, no, the point is Americans have always found a, a common ground on issues of immigration. We used to on environment, and we just did recently in California where you had Republicans voting yes in our state legislature for cap and trade, and vice versa. Democrats can be for things like lowering taxes. Don't let that explode our heads because most Americans actually live in that space. Right. Mayors, on the face of it, should be legitimate candidates for president. I'm talking in a generic mm -hmm. sense sure. because most things that the president has to do are practical things. They're not ideologically driven. They have to make sure that we have proper response to storms, mm -hmm. security, a range of practical non-ideological mm -hmm. issues. We've never elected someone to the presidency directly from a mayor's office. Why is that? And do you think there's any path around that? I'm not even speaking for you, no. but you or sure. Mitch Landrieu or, or Rahm Emanuel I, or anybody. I hope some mayors run. Um, and I think we have executives who know how to run things. Uh, in politics, it's important to have that executive experience, period. Um, but you're just seen as too liberal and too broad a swath, axiomatically mm -hmm. too liberal, right? Right, the, the mayors are, but I disagree. Mayors are really good at dealing with things practically. I am totally opposed to so much of the immorality coming out of the White House right now, but I like to also talk about its impracticality. This is a very impractical White House right now. When it comes to public safety, I listen to police chiefs and cops, not to, you know, uh, a cable news station. When it comes to the environment, we're not like engaged in an ideological conversation about the merits of climate change. We're actually dealing with the impact. And right. so I think we bring a realness that isn't our own 
it is our citizens and the citizens. But how, how are you going to communicate that across the the, the blood brain barrier between the cities? Just as and I the, am right now, you, you say talk to a, a, a firefighter who's on the fire line about climate change. Right. You know, ask him or her what's actually going on. Yeah. It's not a debate. We come to the LAPD. Back to this issue. We have an image, you know, you always lag in terms of perception of a, of a particular institution. We have this image uh, uh, of, of LAPD as a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Is there some credit that needs to be divvied out yeah. here? Well, uh, we're not better than any other city, but when I watched what happened in Ferguson, I realized we went through it a long time ago before there were cell phone cameras. Well, Rodney King was. I mean, it was the first iteration of... uh, And we went through a consent decree. So we kind of learned the lessons. And we're not perfect, but we're much more resilient. We've got um, amazing officers who reflect the community, almost exact percentages of our ethnic diversity. Mm -hmm. We've done a training of everybody of de-escalation of force. Policing is really difficult, and there will always be difficult situations when violence is used, and sometimes when it's misused. But the measure is not whether or not you have those incidents. Every city will. It's how resilient you are dealing with the incidents. And we still have a long way to go. You don't think there's a possibility of a, an incident triggering another riot? No. We've had incidents that, have been, that could have and in the past might have. But we've gotten through them even while I've been mayor. Not always to everybody's satisfaction, but not in a way that explodes in the city because people more than less trust the system to work that through and now i think it's you know the best big city force in america you um you talked about ethnic diversity which ethnic group aren't you a member of <laughs> I, I'm, and which one do you need in order to get the president the sami who are the who live in the far north i don't think i'm, I'm oh uh, I, I don't know I, look i'm a typical mud american i have an italian last name half mexican half jewish I'm interested in this ethnic question because I think one of the issues involving this this discussion about immigration is a there's a there's an anxiety and it's not about color so much as it is about creed, mm-hmm. which is the um, the American creed seems to be disappearing and there's a fear that if you bring in immigrants at too fast a pace they won't adopt the creed the sort of the, the set of ideas and behaviors that that make someone an American talk about that a little bit sure. because something. You know, I, I don't I don't know if something has shifted or not, but, you know, you see these immigration rallies where people are in Los Angeles, even where people are waving the Mexican flag. And to me, that's like a gift to Trump in a kind of way. They want to wave, wave a flag to wave the American flag because that's what they're trying to join. You know what I'm saying? right? Yeah. But the, I think, you know, look, when it's the Irish flag on, you know, St. Patrick's Day. Uh, it's a little different. Have, well, see, but people think it's but different. it's not political. Uh, it, St. Was, Patrick's Day. it was and has been. Of course it is. It, and I think that there's a. A tradition in America of different generations uh, that have had waves of immigrants come in, um, the anti-Chinese feelings that were here, the anti-Polish, the anti-Irish. Um, and right now it's predominantly anti-Mexican, anti-Latino, and anti-Asian. And if you look at those districts where they had the biggest influx of folks from those areas, you had 20-point swings, uh, people who voted for Obama and then voted for Trump. And I think it's because we have to do a better job saying, for instance, that if you actually make people citizens instead of keeping them undocumented, all of our wages go up, not just theirs. My but I'm wage. talking about a shared American feeling. Is that something I that you see? I think on the see? cultural side, too, it's, it's, look, it's tough for people. Some people who are first-generation immigrants are, uh, learn English and are able to integrate themselves. And I think that that is an important American value. I think it's one that we need to make easier, not more difficult. But the first way to do that is by saying, how can we welcome you here? How can you become a citizen? We have the public libraries in Los Angeles have citizenship corners in every single one of them. 
So we've had tens of thousands, I think 80,000 people that we've helped on the pathway to citizenship. That seems to be a much better approach than us yelling at each other. What if the Trump administration and local governments together started opening those sorts of things up around the country? The consequence of not doing that is to assign people to push them in the shadows but not leave the country. Right. All right, lightning round. Yes, lightning, lightning round. round. Uh, what's your favorite movie about Los Angeles? Uh, airplane. What's your second most favorite movie about Los Angeles? Airplane. Oh, come on now. <laughs> it really is my favorite All movie right. about and around L.A. What's your favorite city in California that's not Los Angeles? You got to you know, just, just cough it up. Probably San Diego. I spend a lot of time there in my Navy duty. I love Why do you San hate Diego. San Francisco? San Francisco is a very nice boutique city. Whoa. Whoa, that's some significant <laughs> no, shade. I, I, it's, you know, the funny thing about L.A. is I actually love San Francisco, love San Diego, New York. And whenever I'd travel there as a kid, they'd always rag on L.A. And I always felt like, well, it's, it's a good secret. I don't care if you come or don't. What's the most misunderstood thing about L.A.? Uh, that there's no soul to it, that there's no history. We're an older town than Washington, D.C. That's not true. Yes, it is. No, 1781, the hashtag, same year. Hashtag fake news. No, no. Same year that, that they were commissioning, Continental Congress commissioning a study to see if marshland next to the Potomac would be a fitting place yeah, but for but we have humidity. Is when, yes. We have a so nicer Trump hotel than you probably have. We don't even have one. We feel so happy. No, 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 no. Come on. Let's and face it. No, no, no. Let's be, come on. Let's be serious You have a golf course. The Trump organization comes to you and says, we want to build a big hotel and hire people. You're not going to take a Trump hotel? No, thank you. So come back to this. Uh, I don't think it would do very well in LA either. Not at this moment. No. no, it's a kind of, they kind of ruined their brand a little bit. Uh, all right, final, final question. What's your favorite restaurant in Los Angeles? And don't say they all in, are. No, no, of course not. Uh, Non-taco stand, right? So um, No, I didn't maybe, say maybe that. Yucca's Tacos, they have the best cochinita pibil, which is this marinated pork uh, dish from like Yucatan. Uh, it's in Los Feliz. You kind of stand in a parking lot across from a, a grocery store and best taco in town. Did you uh, audience test that answer? Yeah, we, we, we shopped that for about uh, 17 weeks. Um, yeah, how many consultants do you have? About 4,500. You think you can actually win the presidency? Uh, I'd probably need to hire about 10 more. Ten, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Would you actually run for president? Um, I don't ever say no, but I'm pretty darn focused on being mayor. Eric Orsetti, thanks very much. Thank you. Great to be with you, Jeff. That's it for the Atlantic interview. I want to thank Eric Garcetti, the mayor of Los Angeles, for joining us today. The Atlantic Interview is produced by Diana Douglas and Kevin Townsend with production help from Kim Lau. If you like what you're hearing, please review us in Apple Podcasts. If you don't like what you're hearing, I, I'm really sorry and I'll try harder next week. You can also subscribe, that is, if you like this, and share this episode with a friend. I'm Jeffrey Goldberg, the editor-in-chief of The Atlantic, and we'll have more next week.